0: Good morning, Orlando. Thursday morning here at 6 o'clock. Welcome aboard. You're on the 50,000-watt front porch for our first look at Orlando's news, weather and traffic, right here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger.
1: And I'm Tom Alexander in for Deborah Roberts. Our top stories this morning. Congress closes in on a budget deal, and Jeff Sessions is in Florida to talk about the opioid crisis. We'll have details coming up in one minute. What's bugging the bud, man? Yeah, that Senate budget deal and also the latest
0: FBI lover's text messages. We're talking about them in this half hour on Good Morning Orlando.
1: Coming up on 602 now on News Radio 1025, Senate leaders say a significant bipartisan agreement on a two-year budget deal has been struck.
0: First time in years. Our armed forces will have more of the resources they need to keep America
1: safe. Speaking on the Senate floor yesterday, Majority Leader Mitch McConnell said the deal will boost defense spending. He noted that it will end years of budget restraints on the Pentagon. McConnell said the deal also provides increases in domestic spending, including disaster relief and public health funding. Senate Democratic Leader Chuck Schumer called the deal very good for the American people. The deal is a bipartisan breakthrough, according to Schumer. The Senate will vote on this today. They have to sign it before midnight to avoid another government shutdown. And then it still has to go to the House after the Senate votes
0: on yeah, it. Yeah, I got big problems with this thing, and I'll lay them
1: out here in just a moment. First talk topic of the morning, Tom. We'll look forward to that. The news brought to you by Trustco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Leaders in Washington, D.C. are voicing opposition to President Donald Trump's proposal for a military parade. The D.C. Council tweeted on its official page yesterday morning, quote, D.C. public schools will open on time today. Sadly, the giant tank parade is canceled, end quote. White House officials say the president asked the Pentagon to plan a parade similar to France's Bastille Day. D.C. Congresswoman Eleanor Norton responded to the idea by saying the parade would be a waste of taxpayer dollars. This is not
0: being well-received, even in military and veteran circles. Um, I've got mixed emotions. We're going to talk about it and take calls on this at 7 o'clock this morning. We want to know what you think here in Central Florida. That's sure to
1: have a lot of people talking, bud. Federal prosecutors in Tampa met with U.S. Attorney General Jeff Sessions Wednesday. The topic, the opioid crisis. Sessions says it's the biggest problem facing the nation right now. The addiction crisis is being driven primarily by
2: opioids,
0: prescription painkillers, heroin, and synthetic drugs like fentanyl.
1: In 2015, opioid overdoses alone killed 33,000 Americans. Sessions says the federal government is dedicating more resources to help enforce, prosecute, and combat prescription drug abuse. He's attending a drug summit with military leaders at Southern Command in Miami today. And the past is catching up to the now former mayor of Davenport. Barbara Pearson resigned as mayor this week after police found there was a warrant for her arrest out of Michigan. The warrant was issued in 2003 for skipping out on her probation, but Michigan officials say that warrant is no longer active. City Manager Kelly Callahan tells the ledger that Pearson told her she didn't want to be a distraction. Councilman Rob Robinson was appointed this week to replace her. WFLA News Time now, 604. You can get the latest on these stories and more at 1025wfla.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando starts right now. News, weather, and
0: traffic for the best audience in talk radio. This is Good Morning Orlando on
3: News Radio 1025.
0: And Good morning to you, and thank you, Tom. Tom Alexander doing the news this morning for Deb. And uh, in the control room producing, Yaffe. And Stephanie is our call screener. Lots to talk about this morning. The president's uh, call for a massive military parade down Pennsylvania Avenue sometime this year. Lots of uh, pushback on this. I've got mixed emotions. I see some upside, some downside. We'll be talking about that in the 7 o'clock hour. and the 8 o'clock hour, a very important topic has resurfaced here in central Florida. Should Orlando International Airport get rid of TSA, federal government airport security? And bring on a private security firm. I'm a private sector guy, but I've never liked that idea, and I don't like it still. We'll have conversation about that. By the way, we've moved our sound judgment game for prizes into the back end of the 6 o'clock hour. We're playing it at about 6.50 this morning. A fabulous prize we're privileged to give away. Free tickets to the upcoming James Taylor concert here in Orlando. Don't call on sound judgment now, but be be aware you want to be here and call in and see if you can win those free tickets so many would love to have. All right, we're diving in under the heading of what's bugging the bud man to this Senate leadership budget deal compromise. Huge problems with this. And we'll also talk about the latest FBI lovers' text messages. I think they're showing even more evidence of very, very strong bias against Trump, the candidate, and Trump, the president, within the Federal Bureau of Investigation. We'll have all of that and more coming up here. It's Good Morning Orlando from the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit com. right after we update Orlando's news, weather and traffic in two minutes on News Radio 1025 WFLA. Our elected representatives, yes, from the president, I like to key members of Congress and the Senate and the House have lost their collective minds. They are running wild, spending our money that we don't have because we're $20 trillion in debt and further deepening and widening, widening the sea of red ink that is drowning our future as we speak. This is why... I just wanted to spit nickels when I when I listened to McConnell and Schumer talking about this great bipartisan compromise among Senate leadership leading to a budget deal yesterday that if it was approved by the full body and I hope it will not would raise spending on both military and domestic programs by almost 300 billion more dollars over the next 2 years no offsets no corresponding spending cuts At all. Think about that. We're already going to see the deficit go up because we're going to, at least in the early years, see less revenue now that we have the Trump tax cuts, which are doing a great thing now to stimulate the economy. You add the $300 billion here, you're all of a sudden talking about what we dealt with during the Obama regime. Trillion-dollar annual deficits. When are we going to end this insanity? The president seems to like this deal. The only way you can get anybody to agree on a bipartisan basis to do anything is when one party says, hey, I'll green light the stuff you want extra money for if you green light the stuff we want extra money for. And that is exactly what happened yesterday. The Republicans and the president got $165 billion more dollars for military spending. And on the domestic side, for all kinds of things, including disaster relief, and there are benefits to that from Florida fiscally, no doubt about it, $130 billion more dollars for the Democrats. And you add them together, and you add another $300 billion to the federal deficit. You know, I mean, and, and where's the resistance to this? I don't see it, Yaffe. I really don't. Now, are fiscal hawks in the House, and they're going to have to vote on this, who are saying that they're not going to go for this, and they shouldn't. We're busting right through the budget caps here. and And this insanity that is ruinous to the future of this country is killing us. And and the idea that, okay if you want to reprioritize and more money for the military or more for certain domestic programs, you've got to cut it out of somewhere else and have it not expand the deficit. There is nobody with any power in Washington anymore who's even giving lip service to doing that, Mike.
4: Yeah, that's true. And unfortunately, we have to blame President Trump for a lot of this because he has not been big on this cutting spending. He wants increased military spending. And he's willing to do it any way he can. And unfortunately, all we have are some conservative members of the House who are trying to stand up against this. And maybe a couple of people in the Senate. And that's it. We're kind of crying in the wilderness today, bud.
0: Watch how your lawmakers vote on this as it moves through both houses today, okay? And and, and be thinking about it. If you... Fancy yourself, as I do, and Yaffe does, as a fiscal conservative, you need to get right on your representative and tell them how you feel about this in advance of the vote and then afterwards when you know how they did vote. Okay, also on this deal, if they get this done, um, it would be a short-term spending bill that kicks the can down um, the road on, on extending the debt ceiling and expanding it, and that'll be more deficit spending. Um, until sometime in March. And it also would fund the federal government um, on that short term basis, I think, to about March 23rd. That's it. And then for two years here, it extends um, uh, the next, it, it allows us to postpone another vote on raising the debt ceiling, which we always do to our everlasting ruin long term. So, anyway, short term lawmakers get six more weeks to resolve their uh, differences over immigration policy and, and, and write a full. A budget. So that's exactly what happened there. But if anybody wants to weigh in on this, or, or are you just kind of rolling your eyes and say, "Well, that's the way it is. Nobody can stop it. I guess we'll deal with it when the entire republic collapses under the weight of debt we can not afford. We're getting very close to the precipice." Four zero seven nine one six fifty four hundred text line two three six eight zero. Do you agree or disagree? Do you share our outrage and our concern? Or is this just okay with you? 407-916-5400. Text me at 23680. Standard message and data rates apply there. So you remember this whole round of text messages that were uncovered, like 50,000 of them, the first lot that came out between these two FBI lovers. You remember this? Um, this guy, Peter Strock, the Deputy Assistant Director of Counterintelligence for the FBI. And Lisa Page, an FBI attorney, apparently they were involved in some kind of a, a, uh, a romantic relationship, some kind of a red-hot affair or whatever during the Trump campaign in particular. You know, they're the ones who referred to, uh, to Trump as an idiot, as a loath- loathsome human, etc. We're trying to get to the bottom of the, uh, of the deep state. And uh, and throughout the federal government, the entrenched bureaucracy and in agencies like the FBI of what I think is very clearly anti-Trump bias manifested during the campaign and continuing since the president has um, taken office. So now Fox News has summarized its findings in the latest series of uh, released text messages between these two FBI lovebirds. In one exchange dated September 2nd, 2016, right in the middle of the heat of the campaign, Strzok and Page discussed drafting talking points for then-FBI Director James Comey, apparently intended for Comey to brief Obama, who, in the text messages, quote, wants to know everything we're doing. Uh, Obama's on tape. They've been playing it all over the place, you know, as saying to Chris Wallace when he was asked about this at the time, he says that, you know, he never got involved in anything that had to do with the Hillary Clinton email investigation. He kept his hands off it, wasn't talking to anybody in the FBI or the Department of Justice, okay? But there are Republicans who believe that it raises questions about the type and the extent of Obama's personal involvement in the Clinton email scandal and the FBI probe of it. But I... to be honest with you, it's not really clear what they're referencing there. Are they talking when they say Obama wants to know everything we're doing about the Clinton investigation, or are they talking about what the you know what what's going on with the FBI investigating uh the trump campaign possible collusion with the russians et cetera i mean it it it's not super clear and I got to be honest about that and another exchange that shows the anti-Republican bias of Strzok and Page. Strzok refers to Virginians who voted against Democratic State Senate candidate Jill McCabe, wife of then-FBI Deputy Director Andrew McCabe, as ignorant hillbillies. Um, let me see. What else? Oh, here's a text exchange between the two lovebirds in the FBI, Strzok and Page. November eighth, two 2016. Is that Does that date ring a bell with anybody? That would be Election Day. That's the night that the unthinkable for the anti-Trumpers happened. The President of the United States was elected, and it wasn't Hillary. It was Donald Trump. And in that exchange, Page wrote, texting Strzok, OMG, oh my God, this is effing terrifying. And after Clinton conceded the election to Trump, Page wrote, OMG, I am so depressed. I mean, everyone's entitled to their personal political persuasion and opinions. The issue is, does it bleed into the work they do on an official basis? I'm totally convinced it does. Uh, And the Democrats contend that the the text is just gossip among work colleagues. I think it is much more than that. Let's go a little later, a couple of days later. November thirteenth, two 2016, Page writes, Uh, I, I bought all the president's men. That's the story of the Watergate investigation, okay, by Woodward and Bernstein that brought down the Nixon presidency. Figure I need to brush up on Watergate. See, we're going after Trump. We're going to destroy him. Now that he's president, we're going to make him not president. Next day, Page writes, God being here makes me angry. Lots of highfalutin national security talk. Meanwhile, we have our task ahead of us. What is that task? To destroy the Trump presidency? I mean, they had talked earlier about needing an insurance policy. Should Trump become president? Um, Anyway, and then later there's a text from Paige Page, Page DeStrock in uh, June of 17. says, please don't ever text me again. And it's unclear whether she was mad at her friend or if she suddenly became aware that they and all of their text messages had been discovered. So it looks bad to me, Yaffe. But some of this stuff is definitely open to interpretation. I will freely admit that
4: Well I think it's pretty obvious though to anyone that they had a very 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 strong bias against Trump. no
0: question and they I are mean, not alone.
4: <laughs> you cannot question that part of it You
0: can though if you're Bertha, welcome in from Deland Bertha. nice to have Good you morning, on board. Bud hey there, what's and up?
5: Yappy and Stephanie. I just want to ask you a question. Yeah. When Giuliani was going on Fox and talking about stuff that happened days after he already knew it was going to happen, the Democrats are saying that there's FBI's in the New York area that he was boss over that was giving him information. What's going to happen when they subpoena all their text messages?
0: I don't know. What do you think?
5: Well, I think there's going to be a big problem because there's only... One place Giuliani has, could have been getting this information, and he's been very quiet lately.
0: Uh, you smell a rat there, but let me I ask you what smell rat.
5: The Democrats are going to play the same ball.
0: What you, What? What about, though, all of these 50,000 text messages, and we're getting a new load of them now that are being analyzed, and you look at it here. I mean, do you see anti-Trump bias for the candidate and then for the no. president? No?
5: I, I just think the FBI, there's, there's ones in the New York uh, Department that love Trump. And Juliana, they were giving them information, just like there might have been some giving Hillary. I don't agree with it, but one, you know, two can play the same game. When they ask for their text message in the New York area, FBI's, it's going to be a big mess.
0: Well, we'll see. We'll watch for it. Bertha, and we'll remember you sounding the alarm. News now and in for Deborah Roberts, Tom Alexander once again with more on this budget deal, this budget-busting budget deal taking shape on
1: Capitol Hill. Tom? Thanks, bud. The Senate is expected to vote today on a bipartisan two-year budget deal. It would substantially increase defense spending and funding for domestic programs. It would also avert a second government shutdown this year. The Senate is expected to pass the budget and send it to the House for final approval before the government funding deadline of midnight tonight. Some conservative Republicans are also voicing their displeasure to the big spending increases and the lack of debt ceiling reforms. The news brought to you by Trustco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. The latest poll for the U.S. Senate race in Florida shows a tight contest between incumbent Democrat Bill Nelson and Republican challenger Governor Rick Scott, even though Scott hasn't yet filed. Brad Coker, the manager of Mason Dixon, is not surprised by the numbers.
2: It's a close race, uh, which isn't surprising this early. Uh certainly Scott uh, probably won't declare his candidacy until uh after the legislative session is over, but at this
3: point everybody anticipates that he will run.
1: He says we can expect three things from this race. It will be closely watched, it will be expensive, and the numbers will change. The Federal Emergency Management Agency is extending the deadline for Hurricane Irma survivors to have the government pay for hotel rooms. March 11th, FEMA spokesman Curtis Allen says they've made a lot of progress. At one point, 27,000 households were using hotels after Irma.
3: Now the program is down to around 1,900. So that means about 25,000 people have completed their plans and they have been able to move back into their homes or into other
1: housing. Allen says now is the time for the remaining Irma survivors to make plans to find a permanent place to stay. Finally, a local restaurant manager is getting a harsh lesson in a law protecting nursing mothers. The manager of an Apopka restaurant recently asked a breastfeeding mother to cover up. The manager says she had never seen anyone nursing in a restaurant and didn't know there was a law allowing mothers to breastfeed almost anywhere. Moms on social media fired back at the restaurant this week, and the manager has told local news stations she's now being harassed. WFLA News Time Now 6:36. I'm Tom Alexander, News Radio 102.5 WFLA. Get these stories and more at 1025wfla.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando continues right now.
0: Thank you, Tom. Let's bring in Gina Cervetti with the Bloomberg Business Report live from the Bloomberg Newsroom in New York City. Good Thursday morning to you, Gina. Good morning, bud. Bit of a wild ride yesterday on Wall Street. What can you tell us?
6: Yes. Well, this morning, the futures are fluctuating between gains and losses after another volatile session amid signs that the rise in Treasury yields has yet to run its course. Uh, the yield surge is sparking concern that the Fed will accel- accelerate its uh, interest rate raising schedule slowing the economy and eroding corporate profit margins. So what we saw yesterday, the Dow crossed above and below the 25,000 level multiple times. By the time the day was over, it was down 19 points, closing at 24,893. There was heavy selling in the final 15 minutes of the day. The S&P 500 erased a gain that reached 1.2% at its highest. It closed down one-half of 1%, or 13 points, at 2682. That was the biggest reversal since 2015, and the Nasdaq slumped about 64 points, almost 1 percent, to around 70.52. We had the Bloomberg Orlando index up one-half of 1 percent, so bucking the trend there.
0: I think the question everybody's asking is, my goodness, what's going to happen next with the stock market? You folks at Bloomberg have been crunching some numbers. What have you found?
6: Well, after Monday's market crash that saw the S&P down more than 4 percent, Investors are indeed scratching their heads and wondering, well, what's coming down the pike here? Bloomberg analyzed the benchmark median price return, the S&P 500, after a one-day decline of at least 1%. It looked at non-recession years since 1928. And what the data suggests here is that some consolidation may occur here over the next week before we see the equity rally resume, ultimately returning around 14%, In the next 12 months, one wild card still is the immediate future, how all the volatility behaves here in the next few days.
0: All right, and in the housing sector, Gina, we've got a big problem here in Florida. and I know California shares this and some other states as well with underwater mortgages. What's the latest on that?
6: Well, the steady increase in U.S. home valuations in the last few years has reduced the share of seriously underwater properties. That's where the mortgage is 125% or higher of the value of the home. According to Adam Data Solutions, uh, the overall share of homes in that category was 9.3% last quarter. But California and Florida are indeed stands out, standouts in terms of reaping rewards of this surge in U.S. home equity. In Florida, in the third quarter of 2013, the number of homes seriously underwater was above 2 million. That has since dropped to around 400,000.
0: Okay, and something new seems like every day, certainly today, from Amazon. What's the story, Gina? Gina?
6: They are launching free two-hour deliveries from their Whole Foods Market through its Prime Now service. They're just going to start with uh, several cities to begin with. Austin and Dallas, Texas, Cincinnati, and Virginia Beach. But Amazon plans to expand it across the country this year. They also plan to offer an ultra-fast delivery option from Whole Foods, $7.99, if you order more than $35 worth of groceries.
0: It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Everything Amazon touches seems to turn to gold. We'll see on that score. Finally, a note from the World of Entertainment about a resort that was made famous in a 1980s movie. What's the deal?
6: Yes, well, when you think of New York's Catskills, you might think of their bygone glory days in the movie Dirty Dancing. Now the former Concord Hotel has been transformed into a destination for gamblers. Bloomberg Businessweek says Empire Resorts Resorts World Catskills opens today.
0: How about that? I remember that in the Catskills when I lived up in that area. Grossingers, <laughs> the Concord, Browns, all of that stuff. Oh, How good about for you. The, I haven't heard about the Concord in years. Very interesting, as always, when you join us for the Bloomberg Business Report. Gina, thank you. Have a great day. Catch you tomorrow. Thank you, bud. All right, we're bringing on um, News Radio 1025 National Correspondent Sharon Reed with, with her take and um, the very latest on this. Uh, Looming government shutdown, this Senate leadership budget plan that I was railing on because it's a budget buster. And uh, we'll get her perspectives on this for you. And after that, we're playing the sound judgment game for James Taylor concert tickets. We got big stuff coming. Don't go away. All of this unfolding before your very ears in just two minutes, along with news, weather, and traffic here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. Finished joining as I was railing on this budget busted. Senate budget deal, this compromise reached by the Senate leadership uh, upon which the entire Senate will vote today and the House still has to vote, looming government shutdown, debt ceiling issues, all of this. Let's bring in News Radio 1025 national correspondent Sharon Reed, especially for those of you just joining us to get everybody up to date. What do you have, Sharon?
7: Well, you're not the only one railing against this deal that was struck between uh, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell and Minority Leader Chuck Schumer. It does keep the government funded beyond midnight tonight, another six weeks through March 23rd. But you're right. It adds about $300 billion over the next couple of fiscal years. For both military funding, but also domestic programs, there's another four years of funding for the CHIP program, the Children's Health Insurance Program. There's community health centers funding that's been on hold since last September. There's $90 billion for disaster aid for Florida, Puerto Rico and Texas and and billions more to fight the opioid epidemic. Lots to like for Democrats, but um, nothing about immigration. It is expected to pass the Senate today. And then you're right, it goes to the House. And that's where it's it could run into trouble because there are a lot of fiscal hawks, conservatives who do not like it, who say that Republicans, if the, if this is approved, they're not going to be able to say they're the party of fiscal responsibility right. anymore because this adds to the deficit. It, it, right now, it would be projecting 2019 to pass $1.1 trillion in the gap between spending and revenue. So very, very controversial. I think uh, Alabama's Congressman Mo-, Mo-, Mo Brooks yesterday they had a a rank and file meeting yesterday with Paul Ryan, the House Speaker, and he said he called the bill a debt junkie's dream. Boy, is
0: it ever! It'll be very interesting to see how the conservative Freedom Caucus in the House, whether or not they they show us what they're really made of and what they stand for and stand up against this. Now, this plan that the Senate leadership came up with uh, would kick the can down on the road uh, down the road into March on doing an immigration deal and and then they don't have to deal with the debt ceiling for two more years am i right on that sharon
7: they don't have to deal with the debt ceiling until march 2019 it does keep the government funded six weeks through march right. it gives them time to, enough time to finish writing the the omnibus bill that would fund the the rest of the fiscal year that's just the the allocations the formal part of it all and so it does. It does kick the can down for a couple of things, um, but again, those other programs that, that are getting pledged, um, the 300 billion, that that that's for two fiscal years in ahead.
0: Got it. Thank you. Great job on it as always. I appreciate it, Sharon. Sharon Reed, News Radio 1025 National Correspondent. Catch you next time around. Have a great Got day. It. Have a good day. All right. Thank you. And indeed, we will. We're up to date there. Somebody's gonna have a really great day because we're giving away James Taylor Orlando concert tickets. The legendary singer and songwriter is coming to town, and it is a fantastic show. We'll be telling you more about the prize here. You're eligible to win sound judgment if you've not been a winner in 30 days. Get on the phone right now before everybody else swamps the lines, and you could be the winner. 407-916-5400. 407-916-5400. All right, let's go. Great prize up for grabs on our Daily Sound Judgment game, and Steph's here to tell you all about it.
8: That's right, bud. So today we have an awesome pair of tickets to see James Taylor at the Amway Center on Wednesday, May 9th. Legendary singer-songwriter James Taylor and his all-star band with special guest Rock and Roll Hall of Famer Bonnie Raitt and her band play at Orlando's Amway Center on Wednesday, May 9th for one unforgettable evening. Tickets are on sale now. Visit 1025wfla.com keyword events for more info.
0: If you're getting a busy signal, wait for a wrong answer and then dial quickly, 407-916-5400. Well, nobody dials anymore, but you know what I'm saying. Call, okay? That's the number. There was a marathon speech on the House floor Wednesday by Minority Leader Nancy Pelosi. She was speaking on behalf of the Dreamers trying to force Congress to include immigration legislation in their budget deal. It went on and on and on. As painful as this is, I want you to listen to Pelosi making herself hoarse and then use your sound judgment to tell me this. Round it off to the nearest hour. How many hours straight did Pelosi speak?
6: This morning we took a measure of our caucus uh, because the package really does nothing to advance a bipartisan legislation to protect dreamers in the House. Without a commitment from Speaker Ryan comparable to the commitment from Leader McConnell, This package uh, cannot have my support.
0: All right. This went on for how many hours? The longest speech in the history of the House of Representatives. Line one, go ahead. Ten hours. No, but good guess. 407-916-5400. There's the open line. 407-916-5400. Line one is open. Grab it. Line two, you're up next. How many hours?
5: Seven.
0: No, but thanks for trying. 407-916-5400. Line three, you're up next. Eight hours. Yes. Eight hours, wow. five minutes to be specific. Sounds like you'd heard that somewhere.
5: Yes, I have on your show.
0: <laughs> well, I didn't say it today. We've been trying not to say it. I've been Well, ta- uh,
5: I'm, I'm glad I won.
0: Thank you, bud. Hey, congratulations. James Taylor concert tickets are yours. What do you think?
5: I'm I'm excited about it, and you're my favorite show. Thank you
0: very much. It's great to have you with us on the fifty thousand watt front porch. You and Steph are going to work it out so we get you those concert tickets. Hope you enjoy okay. the show. I want to write you a little note of congratulations. What's your first name? Rob. Rob. Okay, Rob. And uh, where do you call home? What town? I live in Orlando. Fantastic. Great to have you here on WFLA on Good Morning Orlando and enjoy the James Taylor concert, my friend.
3: Thank you. Thank you.
0: And i put you on hold right now. Man, oh, man, oh, man. Can you imagine? There were others in the house who were listening to this. Eight hours of Nancy Pelosi. That's pure torture, Yaffe. Pure torture by any measure.
4: Yeah, they're going to start using it at Gitmo, I think. Well, they'll give them the option of having to listen to the eight hours of that. Or waterboarding?
9: No, no, no. Get get the water. Get the board. No, Pelosi. No. No, please. It's too much.
4: The terrorists are giving all kinds of information now. It's crazy how it's working.
0: (laughs) They're coughing it up. They're just going to play Pelosi. The thing that was amazing about this, and you have to give it up for Pelosi, I mean, I I guess when you're high on left-wing propaganda, you don't feel any pain. She did the entire speech, and she was not allowed to sit down, and she was not allowed to use the restroom standing in four-inch high stiletto heels
4: for eight hours. Can you even imagine? No. I I could not do that, although i never worn stiletto heels, so I I don't know. Stephanie, what would it
0: be (laughs) like for you standing still for eight hours in four-inch heels?
8: That's crazy. I could not do that. I mean, you know, I've worn those kind of heels before, but not for that long.
0: You're young. You're in great shape. Nancy Pelosi is 77 years old. I'm telling you, you got to admire her for her commitment.
8: I guess. I mean, I'd be wearing Uggs if I were her standing up there.
0: (laughs) She's unbelievable. Right? She didn't think ahead. (laughs) I don't know, but she kept doing it. It was amazing. And uh, (sighs) we got a sound judgment winner, and that was terrific. And uh, Rob looks like he's – sounds like he's really, really excited. Good stuff. Good stuff. Deb's off this morning, um, bringing us the news here at 7 o'clock. If you're just joining us in particular, Tom Alexander's going to get you up to date on Congress, closing in on a budget deal we've been talking about, and some more relief could be coming for hurricane victims in Florida and elsewhere. It's Good Morning Orlando, Thursday edition from the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit LauraHasTheBuyers.com. We're glad you're with us at 659. Good morning, Orlando. It's Thursday morning on the 50000 watt front porch. Glad you've dropped by. Here at 7 o'clock, an update now on Orlando's news, weather and traffic for you on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger.
1: And I'm Tom Alexander in Fort Deborah Roberts. Our top stories this morning. Congress closes in on a budget deal, and some more relief could be coming for hurricane victims. Details coming up in one minute.
0: President Trump calling for a massive military parade in Washington. My take and yours on this controversy. Stay right
1: ahead on Good Morning Orlando. 702 on News Radio 1025. The Senate is expected to vote today on a two-year budget deal. The bipartisan deal substantially increases defense spending and funding for domestic programs. It would also avert a second government shutdown this year. The Senate is expected to pass the budget and send it to the House for final approval before the government funding deadline of midnight. Meantime, as you heard just a short while ago, House Democratic leader Nancy Pelosi made history on the House floor. The California Congresswoman wrapped up a marathon speech protesting the budget proposal because it doesn't address immigration or protections for DREAMers.
6: Let us thank and acknowledge the DREAMers for their courage, their optimism, their hope their inspiration to make America more American.
1: Pelosi spoke on the House floor for more than eight hours, making it the longest floor speech in House history. Pelosi wants Republican Speaker Paul Ryan to bring DACA legislation up for a vote next week. What an amazing
0: thing that she did there, because they went back to 1909, they found a guy who spoke for about five hours, um, but they think in the history of a House, I mean that goes all the way back to the dawn of the republic. No one has spoken as long as Pelosi. I mean, she it's was impressive really an achievement. Into it. Well, when you're 77 years old doing it in 4-inch heels, I mean, I mean it's not easy. It's amazing. And, and you know, I mean, I'm you know me and Pelosi's politics, but I got to give it up for her commitment to the cause.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> the news brought to you by Trustco Bank, Florida's Hometown Bank. Florida U.S. Senator Bill Nelson is calling on his colleagues to take up a disaster relief bill introduced in the chamber yesterday. He took a moment to single out his fellow Florida senator as someone who had been working tirelessly beside him for the same thing.
0: Senator Rubio, I've been talking about all the things that we have done together ad infinitum uh, in trying to Get this disaster aid package to finally come to the point at which we can say we are so thankful that we see a
1: path forward. The $90 billion measure would provide help for areas that are still dealing with the after effects of the 2017 hurricane season. And local Congressman Darren Soto is outraged that relief supplies donated to help those affected by Hurricane Maria weren't taken better care of. The Congressman was responding yesterday to reports that about 100 boxes of supplies meant for Puerto Ricans affected by the storm were destroyed by rats. The donated supplies were being stored in Kissimmee by the Puerto Rico Federal Affairs Administration. The organization told the Orlando Sentinel that the damaged supplies represent only 10% of all donations accepted and that they've already sent thousands of pounds of supplies to those in need. And finally, there are new recommendations for protecting eight threatened species in Florida. In effect, now the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission has approved conservation and permitting guidelines for landowners and others. They're designed to protect the Barber's Map Turtle, Big Cypress Fox Squirrel, the Black Creek Crayfish, Santa Fe Crayfish, Blackmouth Shiner, Florida Burrowing Owl, the Florida Pine Snake, and the Salt Marsh Top Minnow. Fish and Wildlife Chairman Beau Rivard said the guidelines will help conserve imperiled wildlife. WFLA News Time Now 706. Read about the couple that received dozens of unsolicited packages from Amazon at 1025wfla.com. Second hour of Good Morning Orlando starts right now.
0: News, weather and traffic for the best audience in talk radio. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025. Thank you, Tom. The Budman Man here, along with Yaffe and Stephanie, and um, here on WFLA, as in we are freedom-loving Americans. We love our military. We love our veterans. We love a great patriotic parade. And I would think that most Americans would gravitate toward the idea that President Trump wants to bring, bring to fruition of a massive military parade to salute the armed services right down Pennsylvania in Washington sometime later this year. But I'm not seeing much positive response to it. I admit to some mixed emotions, and I'll explain why here in a moment. But what would you think if we had a massive military parade in Washington, D.C. in this calendar year? Would you be for it or against it? I'd particularly like to hear from those of you who are active duty military, and there are so many of you who are honored who listen to us and our veterans as well, because I'm not seeing a lot of support for this idea among the military community. Very interesting, isn't it? I'd love your take on it, and I'll give you more of mine and what we're talking about here in a moment. Four oh seven nine one six fifty four hundred is the number. Thumbs up, thumbs down on a massive military parade in Washington. President Trump wants it, and you'll hear him call for it in just a moment. Our text line is open at 23680 for your commentary there. Standard message and data rates apply. We'll get in on this controversy in a moment, right after we give you an update on Orlando's news, weather, and traffic. Coming down the pike your way here in just two minutes on News Radio 1025 WFLA. When you call me or text me on this, it would really help if you'd tell us whether you're a veteran or not or active duty or whatever okay would be nice to know that going into uh, the calls and the text messages so if you just let us know that and weigh in on what you think of this idea from the president so he was over there in in Paris and then when he was at the White House with um, with the leader of France Macron uh, he was talking about how he wants this parade to honor our service men and women.
9: It was one of the greatest parades I've ever seen Uh, It was two hours on the button, and it was military might. To a large extent, because of what I witnessed, we may do something like that on July 4th in Washington, down (laughs) Pennsylvania. I don't know.
3: We're going
9: to have to try and top it. All right, so he's talking about the 4th of
0: July. If we're going to have this parade, I think I have a better idea in calendar 2018. Now, That parade in France is a tradition that goes back to Napoleon's era in the early 1800s. Most democracies don't have these big military might shows in in national parades. And and one of the things that people are concerned about, and I'll admit, too, I have concerns about, does this make us look like the old Soviet Union, the heavy-handed dictatorship showing off their might to keep the people in line, or North Korea... Now, that's always parading ads, missiles and its tanks, et cetera. Yeah.
4: China does it now, too. Yes. And I think Russia still does it, even yeah. though they're not the Soviets.
0: Yeah. And um, is it politicizing the military? Um, and also, does it stretch the military too thin? I mean, we're already having issues, you know, with um, with with resources and not enough man and woman power. Um, there are those who say this is going to bring people. You know, in and they're going to have to train to, you know, to, to march appropriately for this, et cetera. Um, and I have some mixed emotions about it. But from the p- president's standpoint, he'd be there as the commander in chief. It would be a huge story. he would be covered all by the, all of the media that have to cover it, the anti Trump media, et cetera. And it would be a great tribute and a great advertisement for for our military and how we revere those who serve in this country. So there's the upside to it. We have not had parades like this very often in this country. And it is believed without exception we have only had something like the president envisions when we have won a war. We had a massive parade after the North won the Civil War. We had a massive parade after we won World War II. We had most recently a big parade in Washington under Bush 41 when he was commander-in-chief when we had won the Gulf War. But we would not be having it in conjunction with a military victory here. We've got our our servicemen and women engaged all, all all over the globe. I mean, we're crushing ISIS, but it's not like we have a clear military victory to celebrate. So this would be breaking new ground in that regard. Some say it's just a big ego trip for President Trump. I think his heart is in the right place. He reveres the military. He doesn't think it gets the recognition, the respect, and the resources that it warrants, and he wants to pay special tribute to them with a massive parade in Washington. Now, here is an idea. If you're going to do this, you don't do it on the 4th of July when it's steamy hot in Washington, D.C. You do it on this coming Veterans Day. November eleventh, 2018, will mark, in addition to Veterans Day, the 100th anniversary of the armistice that ended World War. War Two, and we played an enormous role in being victorious.
8: World, World, War, War, one, one. World War I.
0: World War One, World War One, World War One. Okay? That would be the time for this parade, Mr. President, in my view. Where are you on this? Do you want the massive military parade? Not a lot of support that we're seeing on a national basis from those who are active duty and our veterans. Where are you on this idea? Do you like what the president is pitching? If we're going to do it, do you agree with me? Then better than this 4th of July would be on the 100th anniversary of the end of World War One. 407-916-5400. Weigh in on this. Whether you're a veteran, active duty, or not, I want to know what you think. And our text line is 23680. Standard message and data rates apply. The phone line is 407-916-5400. <laughs> A massive military parade in Washington, D.C. along Pennsylvania Avenue. That's what the president wants sometime this year. Tanks, amphibious assault vehicles, howitzers, rocket launchers, all on display. Been a long time since we've seen anything like that. And it's always been in celebration of a victory in war, which it would not be in this case. Now, here's a veteran on the line weighing in. uh, Jerry from Apopka, what do you think of this idea?
2: Well, but I think we have Memorial Day to honor those who died in military service, and we have uh, Veterans Day, November 11th, the 100th anniversary of World War One. like you said. A great time to honor those who served in our military. But I want to, if anything, I wouldn't be against this parade unless we can celebrate the bringing home of our troops from places like Germany, Britain, Italy, South Korea, Japan, Bring them home because we can't afford to be policemen for the world anymore. I'm a veteran. I love this country, Mm -hmm. but we're stretched too thin, and I think we need to get away from this militaristic approach of projecting to the world that we're the big military policeman.
0: Got it, Jerry. Great take on that by a veteran. I know you're speaking from your heart, and you're a great patriot. Fellow veterans, let me know if you're a veteran or active military. Do you see it as Jerry does, or do you see it another way? Ruth, I think you like the idea that the president has for a massive military parade to honor those in the armed services. Good morning to you. You're on with a bud man from St. Cloud. Ruth, go ahead. Hi, Bud. Hi.
7: I agree with you. Um, I like the idea of having it in November, but I think we did win a war when we won the election and we took our country back.
0: Okay, declaring victory in that regard? That was a war of sorts, no question. But you like the idea. Doesn't make I us love look it. doesn't make us look too much like North Korea or the old Soviet
5: Union? No, it makes us look American.
0: All right. There you go. Now there you go. There there's one side of it and there's the other side of it, Yeah, Yeah,
4: I don't think it would go over well if we did a parade to celebrate Trump's victory.
0: <laughs> I just
4: don't think that would, no.
0: Steph, yeah, uh, uh, for you're not too high in this idea, right?
4: No, and the first caller made a good point. We have Veterans Day and Memorial Day, mm-hmm. and this would be a lot of money and time that I just think is really unnecessary considering we have those other ways mm-hmm. to support the military. I understand where Trump's coming from. Yep, The left way overreacted, but um, nah, I just think it's unnecessary. Steph, what do you
8: think? I think it'd be a great idea. I think it'd be really neat to see our military all come together. And, I mean, Trump does this because... He, he loves this country you know he's for the people and he's for the military
0: let's go out to the space coast and bring in jason good morning to you jason hey how's it going guys good how are you
2: hey not too bad um yeah i have like mixed emotions on this uh topic for one um i don't really see the the point i think it would be kind of kind of cool to see all the different things that the military has to offer obviously we haven't seen that in a long time but um i am worried about the the budget aspect of it i mean I'd like to know how much it's going to cost to bring all these people in, the fuel, the time, the shutdown of roads, just the preparation of everything to get a parade. Um, and I do think that if you did it, probably 4th of July wouldn't be best because of already the congestion and the uh, the plans of people. I don't think it would ring as, as hard. But, I mean, I think overall I'm probably yeah. not in favor if I had to choose.
0: All right. Thank you for that, Jason. I can tell you for perspective, that the 1991 big parade in Washington celebrating a victory in the Gulf War staged by Bush 41 when he was commander-in-chief cost $12 million for the victory celebration. So let's just assume with inflation it doubles or even triples today. I don't know. In the grand scheme of military spending in 2018, I mean, is that what is that, a couple of toilet seats? I don't know. I mean, some would say that's not a huge amount of money when you're talking about, you know, military spending today. Yaffe? Uh, yeah, it's
4: a great point. By or, the way.
0: What about the text line? I know you've got some incoming from the folks who want to want to be um want to be heard there.
4: Well, but interestingly enough, I'm getting a bunch of texts from veterans, and a lot of these veterans are against it. You see, that's what I'm seeing nationwide. Yep. One person says, "I'm Air Force combat rescue, and I have better things to do with time at work than a dog and pony show parade." Another person says as a veteran, um as an active duty service member for 33 years, I think it's a bad idea. It's a waste of money and puts our soldiers in unnecessary danger. Another person says they're a veteran, a Marine veteran, Trump supporter, but still thinks it's a dumb idea.
0: Wait a minute. Someone says that the parade puts the military in danger? What, are people going to be shooting at them from the sidelines?
4: I don't know. It's, I don't know. That's a good point. That's interesting. That's what he said. Unless they could be other places. Instead, they're at the parade, maybe? I don't know
0: bring on dean quick comment now and welcome aboard you're on with the Budman on the president's call for a massive military parade to honor those who serve what about it dean
3: i was in the air force band not the one in dc but a field band and i marched in lots of
2: parades we would have rather had the day off at the time i was in general LeMay was head of the air force Curtis LeMay. Do you remember
0: him? Oh, I absolutely do, and I appreciate all you're saying, but I want to know what you think of Trump's idea.
3: I think I agree with General LeMay. It's a waste of money.
0: All right. Got you there. We'll see.
4: By the way, I do have some texters who really like the idea, and one who really likes your idea that if we're going to do it, we should do it on Veterans Day.
0: Particularly because this Veterans Day, November 11th, would be the 100th anniversary of the armistice that ended world war one in which we played a critical role right in victory that would work for me more than anything else tom alexander back with us in for deb this morning so what can you tell us about this budget deficit busting budget deal they're working on in washington tom
1: well bud the clock is ticking the u.s senate will vote today on what leaders say is a significant bipartisan agreement on a two-year budget deal Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell noted that it will end years of budget restraints on the Pentagon.
0: This bipartisan agreement will unwind the sequestration cuts that have hamstrung our armed forces and jeopardized our national security.
1: McConnell said the deal also provides increases in domestic spending, including disaster relief and public health funding. Senate Democratic Leader Chuck Schumer called the deal very good for the American people and a bipartisan breakthrough. Lawmakers have to sign this deal before midnight to avoid the second government shutdown this year. And it still has to pass the House, even if the Senate approves it. The news brought to you by Trustco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. New words are being entered into the Oxford Dictionary, bud. Oh, this is always fascinating. What do they come up with that
0: gets in the big book now? This well,
1: time? The, the highlight is hangry. Hangry is now a real word. It is in the dictionary. It is defined as Bad-tempered or irritable as a result of hunger, which originates from the 1990s. The 21st century vernacular blends the words hungry and angry and actually can be dated as far back as the 50s. Among the more than 1,100 words the dictionary added last month were mansplaining, what? Me time. Wait a minute. Mansplaining? Mansplaining, yes. It means like we got some splaining to do? You no, know, it means uh, it's, it's, it's a, a pejorative for when a man tries to uh, condescendingly lay out a concept for a member of the opposite sex.
4: Like, oh. Like, let me explain. Stephanie, have to you. you heard
0: about that? Mansplaining? Have you
4: no, ever, I haven't heard that. Have one. you ever experienced mansplaining? No. Can't say that I have. <laughs> oh, yeah. Feminists are always talking about that. Are they? Oh, yeah. It's And you deal. know that. It's everywhere, bud. Come on now. I've I li- not heard
0: that. All right, I mean, don't see. Laffy always tries to make me look bad, like I lead somebody <laughs> I was, uh, was
4: producer splaining. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> has to do that constantly for the bud man, just <laughs> to keep him on the air. Anyway, that hangry thing, part. hang You know, you do. I get really grumpy when I haven't had anything to eat. Oh yeah, I'm in for hangry. That works, but this mansplaining, I don't get. What else you got in the dictionary? Me time,
1: and snowflake. Is me time. Coming off this Me Too movement or no, something? No, like what? I need a little me time. Like oh, I, I, I see. need some time to myself. Yeah, I never get any,
0: but uh, <laughs> you know, just to, sometimes I just sit there and think what it would be like yeah. if I ever had any of that.
1: And snowflake. Snowflake is now in the dictionary.
0: Oh, those left-wing limp-wristed college students. Wasn't Snowfl- delicate.
4: Wasn't snowflake already in there for well, what it actually was? The current usage of the word <laughs>
1: snowflake, the okay, use of it as it. a derogatory term. <laughs>
4: Those little wimps and weasels, they get, a, they get an
0: entry in the dictionary. <laughs> I'm not happy about this. What else is going on?
1: Well, Gerber is announcing the newest addition to its baby photo family. Yeah, this I do like. And the baby makes history. The coveted spokes baby honor has been bestowed on a Georgia one-year-old. Lucas Warren is the first baby with Down syndrome to be named a Gerber baby yeah. since the contest started nearly 100 years ago. Lucas will be the face of Gerber's social media for the next year. Gerber says more than 140,000 babies entered the contest, and then it was really difficult to narrow down the winner.
0: But they said, you know, they they don't look at this child differently, as the world so often would. They say all babies are Gerber babies.
1: Sure. Just, I saw a picture of him. He's adorable. Oh, absolutely. That is a great story. It really is. Yep. WFLA NewsTime now is 7:37. You can get these stories and more at 1025wfla.com. The second hour of Good Morning Orlando continues right now. I don't have anything to match that. I was hoping you'd just <laughs> keep on here. I mean, I have got another one. but you'll well, be back next I'll hour, I'll be back right? in an hour.
0: All right, more special stuff kind of like Deb always does to top off a newscast. Tom Alexander with us here this morning. Um, How bad can it get with these illegal aliens we keep throwing out of this country and they keep on coming back? You remember the man who shot to death Kate Steinle on that pier in San Francisco. That illegal alien who killed her never should have been in this country. But he's a piker when it comes to repeat offenses. He had only been deported five times, thrown out of the United States of America, that he broke into. He wouldn't even get honorable mention in the illegal alien hall of shame, as I'm calling it. Great piece in the Washington Times. They got data from the Immigration and Customs Enforcement Agency, ICE. And here is the illegal alien hall of shame. How many times do you think the illegal alien who has been deported more than anyone else and come back into this country each time been deported from the United States of America? Remember, the killer of Kate Steinle, five times deported. I thought that was unbelievable. I said, how could there be anybody could be deported more times than that? What is going on in this country? The illegal alien hall of shame, their superstar, is a guy who has been deported a total of 44 times. 44 times in 15 years. He's a Mexican. The second most deported illegal alien has been removed from the United States a total of 40 times. From 2001 to 2015, 40 deportations. This is an outrage. This is what President Trump is trying to end. This is what Pelosi and the rest of the liberal wing of the Democratic Party want more of, more people who break into this country disrespecting the standing laws of this sovereign nation, commit crimes here, get thrown out, and then come back because there is nothing keeping them out. This screams for a wall and all the other border security measures that President Trump is campaigning for, and we are campaigning alongside him. 44 and 40 deportations. The list goes on, and there are just tons of them on here who've been deported from this country 30 to 35 times. All the top five Mexicans. Among them, they had amassed 14 criminal convictions for illegal entry, seven for illegal re-entry, three for vehicle theft, one count of cruelty toward wife. In fiscal 2017 alone, ICE arrested more than 143,000 illegal aliens. And listen to this, my friend, as we exit the illegal alien hall of shame of those arrested Of the 143,000 arrested last year by ICE, 92% had either a criminal conviction pending criminal charges, had final orders for removal, or were fugitives. The illegal alien hall of shame. Incredible, isn't it, Yaffe?
4: I feel like that guy who was deported 44 times... Had to have been actively trying to get deported or something. Like, how is that even? I can't even imagine how that's possible.
0: But just think—he knows what a joke he knows what a joke border security is of and course. border security measures yeah. and the politics, particularly under the Obama regime here. No problem. We'll just break back into America. Those suckers.
4: Yeah, and there's probably yeah, and there's a we lot live of people here. Like we'll that.
0: tap into the social welfare system here. Get all the benefits of U.S. citizenship. Totally. Illegal. No love for the country. Mocking this country with their disrespect for it. It's outrageous. This is what the president is trying to stop. And any patriotic American, and I don't care whether you're left, center, or right, should be outraged by this and should demand an end to it. The illegal alien hall of shame i bet your Rush isn't going to have any more compelling stuff than that. But we'll find out. He's usually pretty good. The Rush morning update's coming up. Whew. Boy. Good morning, Orlando, from the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit com. We are glad you're with us. Welcome to the 50,000-watt front porch on what for many is a foggy Thursday morning. We're monitoring the um, the Fox line right now, and there's a big crowd gathering in Washington to hear President Trump address the the uh, National Prayer Breakfast, and we're going to try to capture some of that audio and play it back at the tail end of the show, and uh, you'll want to be here for that. You know, it, it's a, an annual tradition for presidents to speak at the, uh, at the National Prayer Breakfast. Yaffe will never forget when President Obama was there, squirming in his seat with fire in his eyes, as Ben Carson, who wound up running for president and now heads HUD under the Trump administration, ripped him uh, on Obamacare.
4: Yeah, that's really what launched his political career, I remember. I mean, yeah. he was a well-known surgeon yeah. at the time, but he wasn't really into politics until then, and everyone's like, oh, my gosh, I love this guy.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. He's kind of disappeared under the Trump administration. Right. You don't hear much about Ben Carson yeah, these days. Yeah, not a whole lot. Housing and urban development. Um, so we'll see what happens. I think um, uh, President Trump will be terrific, and he's been tweeting about it this morning, saying he's going to see a lot of people that he really... Um, loves to be around, and um, and we'll try to capture some of that for you.
4: And I'm sure the left will complain about something. Oh he said.
0: yeah, of course, absolutely. <laughs> hey, listen, um, we're going to talk about the latest debate that is coming up. The um, folks at Orlando uh, International Airport, who who run the um, the Greater Orlando Aviation Board, are going to vote sometime this month on whether or not to throw out the feds the Federal Transportation Security Administration, and hire a private firm to handle airport security at OIA. I'm a private sector guy, but in this case, and I've made the case before, I'm going to make it again here, I am not a fan of getting rid of TSA at OIA for a private firm, and I'll tell you why and see what you think would be best to keep us as safe as we can be when we fly out of busy Orlando International. In the meantime, a news update at the top of the hour. Tom Alexander in for Deb this morning with more on Congress closing in on a budget deal and the so-called God Bill, one step closer to being law. Good morning from us all. We're glad you're with us at 8 o'clock. Good morning, Orlando. Thursday morning here at 8 o'clock, and you're just in time to join us for the latest look at Orlando's news, weather and traffic, here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger,
1: And I'm Tom Alexander, in for Deborah Roberts. Our top stories this morning, Congress closes in on a budget deal, and the so-called God Bill is one step closer to being state law. Details coming up in one minute.
0: Folks around Orlando International once again are gonna vote on whether or not to throw out TSA and bring in a private security firm. My take and
1: yours on that in this hour of Good Morning Orlando. Coming up on 804 now on News Radio 1025, Senate leaders say a significant bipartisan agreement on a two-year budget deal has been struck. Speaking on the Senate floor yesterday, Majority Leader Mitch McConnell said the deal will boost defense spending. He also noted that it will end years of budget restraints on the Pentagon. McConnell says the deal also provides increases in domestic spending, including disaster relief and public health funding. Senate Democratic Leader Chuck Schumer called the deal very good for the American people.
9: I'm pleased to announce that we have reached a two-year budget deal to lift the spending caps for defense and urgent domestic priorities far above current spending levels.
1: Lawmakers have to sign the deal before midnight to avoid the second government shutdown of this year. The Senate is expected to pass the budget today and then send it to the House for final approval. The news brought to you by Trustco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. U.S. Attorney General Jeff Sessions says the country has, quote, never seen anything, end quote, like the current opioid crisis. Sessions was in Tampa yesterday discussing federal and state efforts to fight drug trafficking and the opioid epidemic. Sessions says 64,000 Americans died of overdoses last year. President Donald Trump has declared the crisis a public health emergency. And no surprise here, regardless of party affiliation, Florida lawmakers are pro-God. A bill by Representative Kimberly Daniels, a Democrat from Jacksonville, that would require public schools to post the words, in God we trust, has now cleared two House committees without a single vote against it.
5: This is not communist China this is america i love god i love america and in the end as i stand here before you i got to remember that one day i have to stand before god and that's what counts most to me
1: the god bill has cleared all of its house committees and is ready for a floor vote there the senate version is still in committee and has yet to be scheduled for a hearing and the city of philadelphia is going all out today celebrating the eagles super bowl victory the parade starts at 11 o'clock Eastern Time in South Philly. The people have been lining up for hours already. It's set to roll north to City Hall, then on the Benjamin Franklin Parkway to the Philadelphia Museum of Art, home of the famous Rocky Steps and Statue. Public schools, offices, and courts will be closed, so anyone serving jury duty in Philadelphia gets the day off today. WFLA Time now. 806. You can read about Russians accessing voter rolls in 2016 at 1025wfla.com. The third hour of Good Morning Orlando starts right now. News, weather, traffic. This is Good Morning Orlando with
0: Bud Hedinger
1: and Deborah Roberts on News Radio 1025. Thank you,
0: Tom. Made you a little nervous, didn't I? Just a little bit. I didn't show up. I took a break to get some coffee, went over there, and the coffee machine wasn't working. Uh Uh-oh. Couldn't
1: get it to work. That's a crisis. Sound the alarm.
4: Are you going to be able to do the rest of the show?
1: (laughs) Oh, I'm fired up.
4: (laughs) Okay, good. I think we're violating (laughs)
1: Bud's rider in his contract right now. (laughs) The coffee maker's not working. (laughs) I
3: don't
0: know what's
1: happening. This is the (laughs) coolest machine. It's
0: a great gizmo, and a darn thing is not working. And then I suddenly realized, you know, I've been hanging around this coffee machine a little bit too long. I think Tom <laughs> must be running out of news. Uh-oh. I'm a windbag, but not that big of a windbag. <laughs> Good job. In for Deb here this morning. Tom Alexander with the news. Good morning, Orlando. Glad you're with us from the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit com. We just heard from Yaffe, producing so well in the control room as always. And Stephanie will be the voice you hear when you call to join the conversation. 407-916-5400. Or if you don't want to talk to us, but you want your opinions registered on the hot topic of the moment, hit our text line at 23680. Standard message and data rates apply. Once again, Orlando International Airport, uh, the folks who run the show there in this very busy airport, are looking at throwing out the government security, the TSA folks, Transportation Security Administration, and bringing in a private firm. Apparently going to have a vote on this later on this month at the Greater Orlando Aviation Board. And um, I want to talk about it. You might think that I'd say, oh, yeah, Budman's going to love this. I mean, he's a private sector guy all the way. Private sector can do things more efficiently in almost every case than the government can. But in this case, I'll say it again, not so fast on making this change. And I want to know what you think when I lay out my argument here in a moment. Do you want OIA to bring in a private security firm and throw out TSA? 407-916-5400, text line 23680, where, as we say, standard message and data rates apply. We'll dive in on this controversy that once again has reared its head, and we'll do that right after we update Orlando's news, weather and traffic in two minutes here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. In the wake of the September 11, 2001 terrorist attacks, the federal government created another massive bureaucracy aimed at keeping more planes from being blown out of the sky or flying into buildings and more innocent Americans dying and it's been vastly successful for all of its problems, this huge bureaucracy, the Transportation Security Administration, a.k.a. the TSA. Now, there are private firms that handle security at some airports. We have one that handles Sanford Orlando International Airport, or Orlando Sanford, however they call it, whatever it is. But they only handle 3 million passengers a year. They handle more than 44 million at Orlando International Airport, There is no airport in the country anywhere near as busy as OIA that since 9-11 has privatized security. It's all been smaller airports, and there's just a handful of them from what I have most recently been reading. That said, the Greater Orlando Aviation Authority has announced that they plan to vote at their September 20, or September 21st meeting on whether or not to opt out of TSA and bring in a private firm. Should they do it? Normally, when you compare for me how the government runs things, how a private enterprise runs things, almost every time I will opt for the private sector. Much more efficient, probably better at what they do, probably more responsive to the public, probably more cost-effective. But I'm not ready to say that we should throw out TSA. Because what are you asking of the, of the airport security people, whoever are providing it, that they keep airline disasters from happening? And across this country, there's no question that there have been incidents. We've had them in Orlando, and we've had a disturbing number of them. We've had them everywhere else where, you know, weapons that shouldn't get through do get through. Okay? Okay. But we've yet to have another airline disaster terrorist-related since 9-11. How can you say that it would be impossible to improve on that record? It is a perfect record. Maybe you think they've just stumbled into it at TSA, but the fact of the matter is the feds have been running airport security since 9-11, and we have not had another airliner hijacked, commandeered, flown into the ground, flown into buildings. Since then, not one. That's what they were created to do. And for all their flaws, they have done it. And at OIA, they get good customer satisfaction ratings, the security operation there. One of the problems is overcrowding, but that's because we don't have enough security lanes. I've had good experiences almost without exception with the TSA folks at OIA. You bring in a private firm, you're rolling the dice, you don't know how good they're going to be. There isn't private security at any airport as busy as this. Would they be up to the task? The TSA seems to know how to do. And how can they beat the perfect record? They could only do as well. They could never do any better than 100% keeping planes flying out of OIA from being commandeered by terrorists. How could they do better? they couldn't i don't understand why as much as i'm a private sector versus government guy we should make any kind of a change in security at orlando international i today would be a no vote on opting out of tsa now you know why now i want to know what you think 4079165400 Text line open to you, 23680. Standard message and data rates apply there. We'll get Yaffe in on this as well, and uh, we'll have all of this promptly. 407-916-5400. Join the conversation. I really want to know what you think about this, okay? If you share with me the natural bias against, you know, the feds and the government running things so inefficiently, generally speaking, versus the private sector, try to put that bias aside and understand what the track record is with TSA. Why in the world... Would we make a change? I don't think we should. Let me go right to line one right now. Here's Howard. You're an airline pilot. My take on getting rid of TSA, bringing on private security at, uh, at OIA, I would vote no on that. You're a guy on the front lines out there. What do you say, sir?
2: Well, I agree with you. It's, uh, it's a tough job TSA has in uh, Orlando. I commute out of this airport, and I would say that TSA in Orlando does a fantastic job. But it, it's, it's like leadership; everyone's different, so uh, it's, it's, a, it's, a touchy, it's a touchy subject.
0: Yeah, um, how do you think that vote is going to go on the uh, the Greater Orlando Aviation uh, uh, Administration? Well, I, I,
2: like I said, I go to every week, and I, I got to say that they do a fantastic job. I've never seen an airport packed like Orlando Airport every day. Every day I go to work, it's yeah. just backed up out the door, lines are everywhere, and they get the passengers through. Uh, uh, screening is excellent they they, they they know their job so you're right replacing them would be uh, it, it's a big question and before 9/11 there used to be all private firms and things I saw back then were, were horrible 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 and uh, TSA did clear up a lot of that but then it's not perfect either I, I go through uh, JFK and yeah. I go through a lot of different Chicago and Dallas and each one's different it's uh, it's the leadership that that runs the the TSA at
0: each airport. Well, it's really great to get a pilot's perspective. You flying out today, Howard?
2: No, sir. I go out in two days.
0: I leave on the eleventh. Well, safe travels to you, my friend. We appreciate you. All right, bug Have a good day. Thank you, sir. Let's go to Trey in Sanford. Should we throw out TSA and go private at OIA or not, Trey? Yeah,
2: I think we should. Why? Well. Just because we've never had a problem doesn't mean that uh, we won't. We'll eventually get targeted. Collectively, private industry does better, and you know they've they've found a lot of weaponry through the um, through the uh, inspections. And what was the failure rate like? Ninety percent?
0: Yeah, there there are some pretty scary studies that have been done on that. But of course, the bottom line is you know they've kept uh, air travel safe here. How do we know what a private Firm would bring to the table, wouldn't it be a roll of the dice? I mean, we know what we've got with TSA.
2: Oh, listen, I, I heard your explanation, and I and I hear what you're saying. Yeah. But I, I think over everything, uh, you know, it's a fifty-fifty. I just prefer private sector, and just because we haven't had any mm-hmm. challenges, doesn't necessarily right. mean. And and I'm not going at the individuals at TSA. I travel a lot, and I I have had good experiences.
0: All right. John, listen, thank you, Trey. I appreciate it. Let me bring on another caller in the interest of time, and I appreciate your comments, Trey. Here's John and Apopka weighing in on this. What should we do at OIA? Keep
2: TSA. You'll get some private security firm, but it'll come in and lowball the bid, and they'll hire uh, personnel that are probably uh, not not as professional as what they have right now. And when the contract comes back up, they're going to raise it. Since they already got their transition or security
3: equipment in there on the transition,
0: mm-hmm.
3: you'll know, have to go back to TSA, and then you'll have another big problem. So. All
0: right. Thank you for that, John. I appreciate it. And, again, there is no precedent for an airport anywhere near as busy as OIA since 9-11 being run by a private firm. Go ahead, Yaffe.
4: Yes, but I think uh, one texter actually made a really good point. It says, I think it's more about cost and efficiency than security pr- – You know, a private company would have, because that private company would still have to abide by the same rules. And there are airports out in the West that do a nice job with private companies, and passenger numbers have gone up Mm -hmm. since they've gone private.
0: Okay. Okay. But the customer satisfaction ratings with TSA at OIA, they're all good. I've looked at them, they're very strong. They're one of the better airports in the country Uh, and among the best among the busiest of airports. Text line, Yaffe.
4: Uh yeah, yeah, that was one text, but a lot of people uh, agree with you bud saying it would be a danger to national security. Another person said, "I would love to get a private company. Competition is great." So, okay. there you go. It's been kind of split on the text line.
0: Yeah, well, the, apparently they have a meeting um the Greater Orlando Aviation folks who make these decisions, okay? The Greater Orlando Aviation Authority on the 21st of February. So, the big vote's supposed to happen then. I would we... be
4: shocked if they voted to get rid of the TSA. Yeah. I just don't think they're going yeah, to. Yeah, I
0: think with a track record at OIA, it makes no sense. I I, I just think it's an unnecessary risk to do that. Um, Congress closing in on a budget deal. The translation mishap that led to thousands of, of what? Of unwanted eggs at the Olympics. Tom Alexander in for Deb with that story. Can't wait because I have no idea what that's about. We'll learn together. Good morning, Orlando, from the front gate Realty Studio. Visit Laura has the buyers.com. Good Thursday morning to you at 8.30. Bottom of the 8 o'clock hour news update now. Deborah Roberts is off and Tom Alexander is handling things so well for us. Big story we talked about earlier is this unfolding budget deal in Congress. What do you got on that, Tom?
1: Well, Bud, the clock is ticking, but right now the White House is applauding the big budget deal that was unveiled in the Senate yesterday.
6: We are pleased that Congress has been able to meet our defense spending requirement and come together on a two-year spending bill. This still achieves our top priority, a much-needed increase in funding for our national defense.
1: Press Secretary Sarah Sanders told a briefing yesterday that the White House is anxious to see the details in the final bill. The Senate votes on it today before sending it to the House. If it's approved by both houses, the budget would increase federal spending by about $300 billion. It has to pass by midnight to avoid another government shutdown. The news is brought to you by Trustco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. The Norwegian Olympic team ended up with more than 13,000 unwanted eggs on its hands after a translation mishap. Uh Uh-oh. Chefs for the team tried to order eggs so they could cater to their country's 109 competitors for the Olympic Games in South Korea. Everybody wants eggs, good protein. Absolutely, and they're there for two weeks, so they wanted 1,500 eggs. Yeah. Instead, they ordered 15,000 eggs. Uh Uh-oh. The chefs told a Norwegian newspaper they received half a truckload of eggs that seemed just endless. They were able to return the extra thirteen thousand or so eggs to the grocer,
0: so what was the deal? the South Koreans were the holding the Olympics they couldn't understand Norwegian or something what happened? Apparently
1: here? there's no they haven't given a formal reason for the mistake but the chefs uh, it apparently was on the chef's end for whatever reason the translation they used they, they didn't get it into Korean well enough and there's some speculation that it could have to do with South Korea's complex counting system. They use different systems of numbers for different purposes. Oh, yeah. A lot of restaurants in South Korea buy eggs by the crate in multiples of 30, but changing one syllable could mean the difference between 1,500 and (laughs) 15,000. Pretty easy to make a mistake if you don't speak fluent Korean. For sure. (laughs) And uh, police in Memphis, Tennessee are trying to figure out what happened after a man received his stolen van back with a dead body inside. Uh Uh-oh. Three people tried to rob him back in December, and when he couldn't wouldn't cooperate, they opened fire and stole the van. He was critically hurt and just got out of the hospital. He opened the back of the van, found a man's dead body in it. At the time of the incident, police say he told them only he and one other man were in the vehicle. But the owner told a local news station, he told cops there were three of them in that van. Turns out the third man had been shot, and that was his body in the back of the van. Aha. Uh-huh. Police are trying to figure out why no one noticed it until now, and whether he could have been saved had they seen him when they find you know when they recovered the van initially.
0: Be very interesting to get the rest of the story on this one.
1: Absolutely, those robbers, by the way, still on the loose. Uh huh. Tom Alexander bringing us news in
0: Deb's absence this morning. Thanks, my friend. Appreciate it. Thanks, bud. Okay, good deal. Um, coming up, breaking health and medical news from Doctor. Kronhaus. Boy, I'll tell you what, his lineup is just compelling here. Do you know what? As bad as the germs are on an airplane, there's indications now that it's worse in the airports. Where are the worst germ locations you need to avoid or be aware of at the airport? Find out about it. And is it possible that cell phone radiation could trigger tumors? Lots coming up from Dr. K. Don't miss it. It's dead ahead here on Good Morning Orlando. Here on Good Morning Orlando, we care about your health and well-being. After all, without you, who would listen to the show? That's why each Thursday at this time, we welcome our own doctor, Ken Kronhaus who has arrived with a black bag full of breaking health and medical news for the weekly house call. Welcome to Good Morning Orlando, as always, Doc. Great to have you with us.
3: Great to be with you, bud.
0: This is pretty chilling. We've seen stories over the years um, where there's been some speculation that if you're really using your cell phone a lot, that you might wind up with some health problems, and there is some new research that people need to hear. Go ahead on that.
3: The latest of the long-term studies, two studies by the National Toxicology Program, But they've revealed that high exposure to radiofrequency radiation results in tumors and tissue around the nerves and the hearts of male rats, but not of female rats or male or female mice. However, the levels and duration of exposure to radiofrequency radiation bud were much greater than what people experience with even the highest level of cell phone use, and the study also exposed the rodents' whole bodies. And some curious issues in the studies, they used 2G and 3G signals, and most people are now on 4G, going to 5G. Right. And also, the rats that were exposed to radiofrequency radiation actually lived longer than the control rats that were not exposed to the radiation. Right. So advice, keep the antenna away from your head, for example, by using speakerphone mode or a hands-free device, and send text messages in preference to making voice calls when you can, it, except when driving.
0: Okay, now let's talk about germs, particularly in the middle of this flu season. Everybody's just almost paranoid about, you know, catching something, the flu or whatever, and and folks normally associate the biggest danger at the airport with you know, with that that confined air on an airplane. But the airport itself can be full of germs, as new research is confirming. Right, Doc?
3: Yes, you don't have to be a germaphobe to be interested in this story. Various surfaces in the cabin of a commercial plane, as you're uh, suggesting, have many times the amount of bacteria than an average kitchen counter. But the latest study found that surfaces in airport terminals, but can have even higher germ counts than those in the planes. The highest germ counts in the terminals were found on the screens of airport kiosks, followed by bench armrests and then drinking fountain buttons. And then the highest germ counts in the planes were on the flush button on the toilets, followed by the tray tables, and then the seat buckles.
0: Boy, it gives you the creeps, doesn't it? I hadn't thought about the kiosks where you go these days now to, you know, to print your ticket. You know, everyone's had their finger on that same screen, one after another, day after day. It makes sense, but I'd never thought of that before, Doc.
3: Exactly. That seems to be the biggest one. Just uh, bring the wipes and... uh, Keep the hands clean and don't touch the face.
0: There you go. Flu update now, if you will.
3: Sure. From CDC, the latest what we know, flu season in America, it's in its 10th week, but the CDC officials, they cannot say if it has peaked yet. And flu seasons typically last 11 to 20 weeks. So we're in the 10th to 11th week right now. 16 kids died from the flu or flu-related problems in the past week, but bringing the total of pediatric deaths, unfortunately, to 53 for the season. But hospitalizations are now the highest ever seen from October until end of January. January almost 15,000 people were admitted to hospitals because of the flu unfortunately flu activity is still high and widespread across most of the nation including Florida and it's increasing overall so you want to think about that flu vaccine even if you haven't gotten it yet and talk to your doctor about prescription antiviral medications you must get it within two days of onset of symptoms and since the all the risk of hospitalization talk to your doctor about it on an individual basis
0: Doc, we- We have time for two more items of the four you gave me in advance of the show. I'm going to let you make the pick.
3: Sure. Um, Hot tea. Smokers and drinkers are already at higher risk of developing cancer, but those regularly consuming hot tea may be multiplying their risk significantly. Hot tea is linked with a two to five fold rise in esophageal cancer, but only among individuals who also smoke or drink alcohol. And then a fun one. Let's talk a little about endorphins. Endorphins are chemicals produced naturally by the nervous system to cope with pain or stress. They're often called the feel-good chemicals because right. they can act as a pain reliever and happiness booster naturally. And this is a nice way to treat anxiety and depression uh, to get your endorphins up. So seven ways you can get your boost your endorphins. Here's seven ways to get them up. Number one, regular exercise. Second is giving, like volunteering, donating, and helping others. Third is yoga, then meditation. Spicy foods is a good way to get it up. <laughs> Dark chocolate and laughing. Seven good ways to get your endorphins
0: up. Fantastic house call as always. You're the best, Doc. Thank you so much. Have a great day at Lake Cardiology.
3: Be well. Keep our endorphins high. Bud.
0: <laughs> good stuff. Well, I think you've given us a little bit of a boost in that regard. Some really important news and some good news there as well on the weekly house call from my heart, Dr. Ken Kronhaus. Schedule an appointment with him. Find out how good heart care can be and heart care technology. His BudScan Scan 2.0 saves lives every day. It's the state of the art heart scan, and most insurance will pick up the cost. Here is the number. He just might be able to save your life like he saved mine 352 735 1400. 352 735 1400. And um, Doc's nationally syndicated on the radio. Sunday afternoons, we carry him right here on WFLA. Don't miss Dr. K. Sunday afternoons here at 2 with Good Day Health with Dr. Ken. At the National Prayer Breakfast in Washington, we've been waiting for President Trump to take the microphone. He's begun speaking. Yaffe's rolling on it. We'll catch some of the president's remarks at the prayer breakfast in just a moment. Don't miss that. With the time we have, let's just duck in live right now and catch um, President Trump addressing the National Prayer Breakfast in Washington, D.C.
9: And showing them the path to a clean life, a good job, and a renewed sense of purpose. And soldiers, sailors, Coast Guardsmen, Airmen, and Marines have spent long months away from home defending our great American flag. all we have to do is open our eyes and look around us and we can see god's hand in the courage of our fellow citizens we see the power of god's love at work in our souls and the power of god's will to answer all of our prayers when americans are able to live by their convictions to speak openly of their faith and to teach their children what is right our families thrive our communities flourish, and our nation can achieve anything at all. <laughs> together as Americans, we are a tireless force for justice and for peace. We have witnessed this truth over the past year. For years, ISIS had brutally tortured and murdered Christians, Jews, Jews, religious minorities, and countless Muslims. Today, the coalition to defeat ISIS has liberated almost 100 percent of the territory just recently held by these killers in Iraq and all throughout Syria. Much work will always remain but we will never rest until that job is completely done, and we are really doing it like never before. We know that millions of people in Iran, Cuba, Venezuela, North Korea, and other countries suffer under repressive and brutal regimes. America stands with all people suffering oppression, and religious persecution. Last week, during the State of the Union, the world was inspired by the story of a North Korean defector, Mr. Ji Sung-ho, who is now back in South Korea. Before his escape, when Sung-ho was being tortured by North Korean officials, there was one thing that kept him from losing hope. Over and over again, he recited the Lord's Prayer. He prayed for peace, and he prayed for freedom. And now, as you know, Sung Ho is free and a symbol of hope to millions of people all around the world.
0: And that's um, ducking in live on President Trump at the National Prayer Breakfast in Washington, D.C., as his remarks continue. Even if you don't support President Trump, we should all pray for the president. That God blesses him and lifts him up and guides him to make the right decisions moving forward for our nation. It's great to see the president at the National Prayer Breakfast. I can't wait to, um, to check out the entire speech. You can check out everything we've done here this morning. Yaffe puts together some great, great highlights on the website um, at 1025wfla.com. Uh, keyword, Budman podcast is there of all three hours for you. We'll see you tomorrow morning. For Tom, in for Deb, for Yaffe, for Steph, the Budman. Thank you, God bless you, and God bless America.